May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts and minds be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer, and teach us to be truly thankful from the heart. For Jesus' sake, amen. Blessings to you, friends, on this Thanksgiving Eve. Of course, Thanksgiving time is a time when many people are traveling. It's one of the busiest travel weeks of the year in our country. Of course, one thing that is of interest to every traveler is a weather report. If you are flying somewhere, you kind of want to know what the weather's going to be like as you're traveling and where you are going. And if you're driving, you certainly want to know what the weather's going to be like in terms of the road conditions uh, with which you'll be uh, dealing as a driver. Did you uh, get the Thanksgiving Day weather forecast for tomorrow? I came across one, and I want to read this forecast to you so you're ready for tomorrow. It reads this way. A weight watch and indigestion warning have been issued for the entire area with increased stuffiness around the beltway. During the evening, the turkey will diminish and taper off to leftovers, dropping to a low of 34 degrees Fahrenheit in the refrigerator. Looking ahead to Friday and Saturday, high pressure to eat sandwiches will be established. Flurries of leftovers can be expected both days, with a 50% chance of scattered turkey sandwiches late in the day. By early next week, eating pressure will be low, as the only thing left will be the wishbone and people wishing they hadn't eaten so much. This has been a Thanksgiving weather forecast, just in case you were wondering. Indeed, happy Thanksgiving evening evening to you all. Today's theme, tonight's theme, is a Thanksgiving weather report. Now, before I go any further, I'm just wondering how many of you, when you came in and you sat down in the pew this evening and you looked at the bulletin and you saw the title of the message for this evening, thought to yourself, and maybe you're still thinking right now, that's a misspelling. What's wrong with Rose now anyway? Can't he spell the word weather? Uh, I assure you I can. And actually, that's intentionally spelled that way. A Thanksgiving weather report, W-H-E-T-H-E-R, for those who are listening to this message. Let me ask you a question. Thanksgiving issues issues us a challenge a challenge whether or not we will give God thanks. How do you answer that weather report question? Whether or not you will actually give thanks to God tomorrow. That's what we're talking about tonight. Because you see, in today's society in America, Thanksgiving has devolved, I believe, from what it originated as, Thanksgiving Day has devolved into food, family, and football. 
with very little emphasis on faith, what was a part of the original Thanksgiving anyway. So I intentionally called this a Thanksgiving weather, W-H-E-T-H-E-R, report tonight because I think the challenge is to decide whether or not we're going to actually give thanks to God tomorrow or is it just going to be another day of food and family and football? Not that any of those things are bad, of course, but is that all it's going to be? Moses had to basically challenge the Israelite peoples with the same type of question centuries ago, as we heard in the Old Testament reading for this evening from Deuteronomy chapter 8. The Israelites had to decide whether or not they would acknowledge, praise, and give thanks to their good and gracious God. Now, the setting of that story in Deuteronomy 8 is that the people of Israel had gone through the wilderness after leaving Egypt. They'd wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, and now they are on the east side of the Jordan River. They are eager to cross the river into the promised land of Canaan to the west. And Moses has some final instructions for them before they cross into the promised land. Now, Moses himself would not enter into the promised land. He would die on the east side and be buried on Mount Nebo. But before that happens, he has something to say to them. And that's what the whole book of Deuteronomy is. Moses' final instructions to the people before they go into the promised land under the leadership of Joshua. And what does he say to them? In addition to again stating the commandments of God, he reminds them, first of all, of what God has done for them in the past. He recounts for them the fact that God was the one that delivered them out of horrible slavery in Egypt. He reminds them that God was the one who provided them food and drink while they were out there in the desert all those years. And then in addition to reminding them of what God did in the past, Moses then tells the people what God is going to do for them once they get into the promised land. I'll read just a few verses from that text again. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with streams and pools of water, with springs flowing in the valleys and hills, a land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil and honey, a land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing, a land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. Almost sounds like he's talking about Arizona, doesn't it? A good land with so much rich resources. All of this God is going to provide. And then he issues them the challenge. In verses 10 and spilling over into verse 11, he says, When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God. Be careful you don't forget the one who gives you everything. And so the people then had a decision to make. I call it a weather decision. A decision whether or not they would honor and give thanks to the giver of all that is good, to God himself. 
Now we see a similar kind of scenario played out in tonight's gospel lesson from Luke chapter 17, the story of where Jesus meets up with 10 men who were stricken with this terrible disease of leprosy. This was such a horrific disease. It was highly contagious. So people who had leprosy had to stay off by themselves in leper colonies away from the general public. And if they ever came near someone who did not have the disease, they had to publicly announce that they were coming. How absolutely humiliating this disease was. One day they see Jesus off in the distance and they cry out to him, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And Jesus tells them to go and show themselves to the priests. That might sound like something strange to us today, but that was the way in antiquity that you went and got verification that your disease was indeed healed. So they started off toward where the priests were and realized they were healed. And not just a few of them, all ten were healed. All ten. But then in the rest of the story, we see that only one of them made the decision to stop, go back, and say thank you to Jesus. Only one. The leper's Thanksgiving weather report, that is, whether or not they would give thanks to God, was somewhat disappointing, wasn't it? Somewhat disappointing. One out of ten. I wonder how many Americans out of ten tomorrow will actually give thanks to God for their blessings. I think it's rather noteworthy that the 53 pilgrims who were at the first Thanksgiving took time to give thanks to God even though they had experienced such terrible hardship. You think about it. Those 53 people had seen nearly half of the original 102 colonists that came over on the Mayflower. They saw half of their numbers succumb to disease and starvation during that first winter, the winter of 1620. Out of 102, 49 people died and only 53 were left. But with the help of the Wampanoag tribe, they experienced a great harvest in 1621, which would get them through the next winter. And for that, they give thanks to God. Governor William Bradford organized a celebratory feast of thanks to God for a successful harvest of corn that fall. They gave thanks to God. Their Thanksgiving weather report continues to inspire us today, doesn't it? For in spite of that earlier bad weather and loss of life, their decision, whether or not to actually thank God for everything, was clear. Their faith was undaunted by all that had happened. And by their gratitude, they demonstrated their dependence on God. I was reading recently about uh, some tribes in Africa And the way that they express thanks to other people who do things for them. For example, members of the Maasai tribe in East Africa 
have a rather unusual way of saying thank you. Translators tell us that when the Maasai express thanks, this is what they do. They bow, they put their forehead on the ground, and they say, my head is in the dirt. In their own language, of course. That's how they say thank you to somebody. They bow for the forehead on the ground and they say, my head is in the dirt. And when members of another African tribe want to express thanks, this is what they do. They sit for a long time in front of the hut of the person who did the favor and they literally say, I sit on the ground before you. I think those African people understand what thanksgiving is very well. That at its core, thanksgiving is an act of humility. Thanksgiving is an act of humility. Genuine thanksgiving is marked by a humbleness of heart, especially before God. It is an acknowledgement that there is one who is far greater than us, who deserves our gratitude, one upon whom our very life depends. And so we humbly thank God, the giver of all that is good. Tomorrow is indeed our national day of Thanksgiving, but it didn't become a national holiday right away. In fact, it wasn't until 1777 that the first action was really taken in that direction. The Continental Congress declared the first national Thanksgiving to be December 18, 1777, and then two years later, in seven, I'm sorry, uh, 12 years later in 1789, George Washington declared the last Thursday in November a national Thanksgiving as well. But now those were merely declarations and not official holidays. In fact, future presidents did not continue the Thanksgiving declarations. And Thanksgiving didn't become a national holiday until a woman named Sarah Hale began writing letters to each sitting president starting in 1846. She wrote letters to five presidents, Zachary Taylor, Millard Fillmore, Franklin Pierce, James Buchanan, and Abraham Lincoln, asking them to declare Thanksgiving a national holiday. And Abraham Lincoln was the only president to listen, and he supported legislation making it a national holiday in 1863. Of course, America was right smack in the middle of its bloody civil war at the time. And Lincoln hoped that the new holiday would unify the bitterly divided country. The holiday was finally a success, and Thanksgiving has continued ever since. Thank you, President Lincoln. It's a national day of thanks giving. But what will we actually do tomorrow? What will you actually do tomorrow? What will your Thanksgiving weather report sound like? Now, if you are resolved to give thanks to God, let me just ask you, what is on your Thanksgiving list? 
What's on your list? For what are you truly thankful to God? Of course, I would hope that at the very top of all of our lists, our thank you lists, is the greatest of all gifts, the gift of forgiveness of sins and the gift of salvation that is ours through Jesus Christ, our Savior. For indeed, it is from the cross that the rain clouds of God's amazing love have been poured out upon all of humanity. And it is from the open tomb of Jesus, the risen Savior, that the rays of eternal light shone forth and continue to shine forth, warming the hearts and souls of all who believe and trust in him, all who know the truth that because Jesus lives, we shall live also forever. I love the verse from 1 Chronicles 16, verse 34, that says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. He is a good God, and his love isn't temporary. It endures forever. And Jesus himself, of course, shows us the goodness of God. It's a goodness that is born from a love that endures forever because he is forever. And as Thanksgiving Day challenges us to decide whether or not we will actually give thanks to God, how will you respond? The question is, what will your Thanksgiving weather report really sound like? I've got a suggestion for tomorrow. And if you were here last Sunday at 9.30 or 11 o'clock worship, you heard me make this same suggestion to the children in the children's message. But I actually think it's something all of us could do. Now, it's just a suggestion, but it's a way to make thanksgiving to God real tomorrow. My suggestion is that as you gather for your thanksgiving meal with family and friends, whoever is with you, at the time of the prayer, before or after the prayer, have everyone at your table go around and using the alphabet, name something for which you are thankful and take each letter of the alphabet and name something that starts with that letter. A, I'm thankful for apples. B, I'm thankful for brownies. I don't know, whatever it is. C, I'm thankful for, somebody on Sunday said chocolate. I like that one. Coffee, whatever it might be. Go through the whole alphabet. Have everybody at the table name something for which they're thankful until you get through the entire alphabet. And you know what? You will name more things than you ever really even thought about before. It's just a way to be reminded that God, our God, is good and provides so much that we often take for granted We have indeed a weather decision to make. Whether or not we will actually give God thanks. Friends, may your Thanksgiving day include a beautiful weather report, one that is marked by humble trust, joyful praise, and heartfelt thanks to God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And may the peace of God that passes human understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our Savior, the giver of the greatest gift. Amen. At this time.